0: Mike Murray This is Vassanel Vassanel By the numbers Numbers Numbers
1: Yes, that is right. It is a Wednesday. We do By the Numbers. We are covering episode 948 of Saturday Night Live, hosted by Ana de Armas with musical guest Carol G. We're back again, and this time I'm back with my OG buddy, John Snyder who's fresh from the United States. How are you doing, John?
0: I am doing great. I mean, don't get me wrong, love the United States of America, but it's good to be back home in Canada a little bit, (laughs) to be with, (laughs) see see some people. Uh, But yeah, everything's good, Mike. It's been a wild week. Lots of talk about you. Can't wait to get into it. I've been looking forward to this particular podcast episode for a while now. So I'm excited to talk through all of the numbers from the Ana de Armas week with you.
1: What what's the best thing about Canada that the United States does not have, or what do we not do as well as Canada?
0: I'm going to go with healthcare for 500. Alex, you got me
1: there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I would. I think that's the right answer.
1: All right, I'll take it. Uh, and my other guest is surprisingly making his by the numbers debut. Someone I've known for a while and just like really respect in the SNL game helps us with basically every aspect of what we do here at the snn it's james p stevens jr how you doing james mike murray thanks so much for having me i just i have to say this
2: live from indianapolis it's one of the first warm days of the year
0: Ooh. nice
1: yeah. good for you yeah and you're, still you're, you're, chilly you're... up
0: here that's that's one thing you do better down there than up here is the weather
1: <laughs> yeah you got some good some gr- good rays in nyc though right
0: Yep, yep, just like the Cold Open this week. It was a hot day in the park.
1: Yeah, um did you, were you able to find any of those characters in the flesh, John?
0: Oh, certainly. Yes, variations of all of the characters. They were <laughs> it was a very spot on Cold Open. I would say that.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Um so yeah, tell me so you went to New York City this week, you know, caught the show. What what can we tell people about that? Okay. Well, can we
0: can we start by just saying Um, so I was gone, knew that there was going to be not a really a great opportunity to record a patron feedback show. It's always one of my favorite shows to get to do, to get to talk to our most loyal supporters and do a patron show. But I just knew it wasn't going to work with the schedule. So I was like, huh, okay, what are we going to do? And then our friends at NBC were able to put together this mikey day interview which we were able to post last thursday it seems like people liked it i was you know you know you never know with these things got 15 minutes with mikey where were we going to be able to get out of him as much as possible and um yeah it turned out he really you know though he answered my questions mike he really just wanted to talk about you so that's uh that's what happened
1: much to my surprise when i threw that episode on on the way to work on a friday
0: Yes. Uh, so if you if you he didn't hear that, can I play some clips from that, and then we could do we'll do some live reaction with you, Mike, here, and then <laughs> okay. I'll get into the New York experience if that's okay. Because sure. I would just like in case any of the listeners maybe they just didn't check it out and they weren't sure. Here's all my favorite moments from the the Mikey Day interview where he talks all about Mike Murray.
2: Me. Now,
0: now of course, I have a question. Do you guys do the the airtime thing where you? We do do that. Yes, (laughs) that is us. How do you do that is my question. Do you like, do you, if someone's in a sketch, do you just use that time or do you use literal time where the camera's on that person? Does that make sense? Yes, it's literal time where the camera's on that person. So we have. So you have one to have like a
2: stopwatch, and you're like. Yeah, it's not. Wait. It's
0: not me personally, but it's one of my colleagues, Mike Murray. He's the best, and he does uh, screen time for everyone who's on the show. So it is a, yeah, it's it's really cool. He's doing it for the entire series, going all the way back. So we'll have like consistent numbers throughout the show. It's a uh, quite the endeavor. So he's yeah. like Jane. Jane Curtin logged <laughs> the following amount of time. Like all yeah, for sure. The way yeah people people love that stuff so mike did i explain it okay did that make sense
1: yeah no i mean i'm just i think i mean james and john have done these great um podcasts called <laughs> snl stories i think we might need to do an inverse where i think mikey will just interview me and we'll talk about it and we'll get into all the details it'll be snn stories um and then maybe you know danny dylan will interview james and you know that kind that type of stuff
2: well and mike i will just say this quickly. Uh, Mikey is just one of many people associated with the show asking about you and, and the you know, behind-the-scenes answers to how it's all done. So,
0: Yeah, we were trying to talk to people, Mike, while we were in New York, and they kept being like... Uh, I just want to talk about Mike Murray the whole time. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it yeah, so, I do it for so... the love of the game. So glad the cast is happy about it.
0: Yeah, let me just ask because I know all the listeners are wondering. What and then we'll we'll start to talk about the New York stuff a little bit. Uh, what was your reaction to listening to the interview to hear Mikey Day talk about you?
1: Um, I I just oh well, I had no idea. So I was just I maybe it was like it was one mention, but the fact that like John's like hey Mikey Day and he's like I have a question for you, John. <laughs> that was that that made me laugh. And then you know go on. I'm excited to hear about the great questions John's prepared and stuff. And he's like let's let's go back to this and then he referenced it with the uh story about molly which is a great story too which is so yeah it was uh very sur- very surreal here's his imitation, or,
0: or this is what he would say to you mike. in addition is to your this, mike murray <laughs> yeah that's it i'll i'll make sure to send that to you for your ringtone
1: <laughs> yeah i mean and a lot of times i do the show i mean like i'm i'm coming down to the wire it's like you know seven thirty eight preparing stats i'm doing screen time like past midnight And so whenever I need a little pick me up, I can just play that clip of Mikey and I know it's going to be okay. So thank you, Mikey, for that. This, uh, you know, does my, uh, you know, words of affirmation are right there.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. Well, that was really cool. Very fun. I think he would talk more about that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think he would love to and James helped produce that by the way, too, but uh, really would love to get into that more with Mikey one day. But essentially, yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on the roundtable on Monday night, where I had mentioned that I was a New York City was able to go uh, attend the show, uh, get to see different aspects of it. And I said, I would talk about this more on Wednesday, because I think it's a fun conversation. Since James was with me out in New York City, we had a great week, got to meet some SNL alumni some current cast members, and I thought it would be just fun for the listeners. I mean, look, I'm not going to go through every single conversation I have that doesn't really, uh, you know, make sense for the podcast format. But I think that, uh, you know, I, I would love to let the listeners know the perspective at which I watch the show, which is something that I don't normally hear get talked about too much on podcasts. Oftentimes, like somebody may go to dress rehearsal, and then they get to watch the show and see all the moving parts. Uh, Sometimes people go to the live show, and it's their first time there. And it's like a really cool experience to just be there and see things as the show is being built. I actually got to watch the show from the dressing room areas of the cast members, which was something that I never... Really like knew exactly what it was like, had not a lot of expectations, but essentially all of the cast members have either shared dressing rooms or individual dressing rooms that are right uh, either, you know, on the eighth floor where the show takes place or the ninth floor above there. And it's in this like tight little hallway with small, uh, the dressing rooms are pretty small. They have like a couch and then usually there's like a makeup artist or someone who's doing costuming there. And essentially what it is, is that there's monitors in each of the dressing rooms that show what's happening on NBC, like pretty much the TV. But it's very difficult to watch the show from that perspective, because what's happening is, and James, you can correct me if I miss anything, but you know, when you're watching it, there's an overhead speaker. So when one of the stage hands or the costuming designer or whatever it is, somebody in, in the show is looking for someone. So they're like, Oh, uh, you know, we need Mikey day three minutes to the next sketch or two minutes to the next sketch. The sound on all of the speakers or on all of the TVs will cut out. So it's a really, di- it's actually difficult to watch the show from that perspective, but it's a really cool, uh, angle at which to see everything because you're actually getting the full like live experience of like as if you were like backstage, you know, at a play and everybody's running around changing, you know, it's it's really crazy back there. But then also, in addition to that, uh, I, what I did not know about the backstage is that they this is pretty much the area where all the cast members gather between sketches or when they're done for the night. And I think that's one of the coolest parts is like you don't really think about this but because you don't really know who's going to be in the next sketch when you're watching it live but for example if like Chloe is done and you know she is not no longer in any sketches for the night she would go back to her dressing room and then hang out with her family or friends or whoever's there so what happened was as you're backstage and the cast members start finishing their roles for the night they often end up hanging out in that area so it was a great opportunity to get to talk to them and get to meet other family and friends and all that stuff so overall from that that perspective, it was really cool, Mike.
1: That's amazing. Uh love that for you and just that that happened. And I, I have to ask you, John, I mean, be honest with me. I mean, I remember the first time you and I met and spoke, and you're like, I'm starting an SNL podcast. I've watched every episode, like, you know, me and you should do this, this whole thing. At what moment were you like, damn it, I, I, I made it. This is this is it. I'm here. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, I don't I know, know. You want to play
1: it cool it's That's not like playing you've a been cool, there <laughs> yeah i mean i i don't definitely i look i think that
0: there's like a lot of things that i would love to accomplish both on the podcast and off the podcast with everything that we're sure. doing here so i certainly i i honestly for all real students i really never felt like i was there and i made it i just felt like it was another really cool aspect of this experience which isn't that i was like necessarily moving from like a fan to a uh part of you know the, the show i just really just felt like it was like um I felt that I am now able to give even better analysis of the things that go on there for all of our listeners of the podcast by being there and understanding it more. So, if that makes sense,
1: a true pro answer right there. <laughs> James, you like that answer?
2: <laughs> oh, I do. I mean, we had, we, had, we had a great time. Both of us had uh, different vantage points. I, I actually got a chance to see the dress rehearsal, um, from one of the, uh, control rooms, uh, the sweetest person on the planet, uh, one of the associate directors, um, allowed me to observe the process and observe her, uh, which was just amazing to see the technical aspects of it, uh, as well as to just sort of see the changes that happened between dress and air. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, so many people associated with the show, that you know, I'm not going to name drop because that's just not uh, the way we do things. But you know, I, I may or may not have had uh, the opportunity uh, to sit uh, in Lauren's office and watch some of the show from there, his ninth floor office.
1: I was like, if this guy says that he hung out with Lenny Pickett, I'm going to boot him from the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your guy. <laughs> oh yeah, I, that's you know, if I was talking to someone in the cast and I saw Lenny Pickett, I'd be like, all right, nice to meet you, but Lenny Pickett's over there. Yeah, well, I, I will I say, them. I will say, Lenny
2: and uh, the band members did did run into them on the sixth floor where their dressing room is, right outside uh, uh, Fallon Studios. Um, oh, that's cool. How yeah. uh, how great was
1: that band and the breaks and everything? Oh, They're dude. just so good.
2: Yeah, it, that's that's the best part about being there. Is for uh, people will argue with this or have a different reason, but. Uh, To be there live, Uh, for those of you, I know a lot of listeners have been there, have done standby, have seen a show, but it is really uh, the miraculous miracle is just to see how in that studio they move sets and do things during the commercial break while the best band on the planet is there just shredding and throwing down.
1: Right. Nothing like it. I mean, they're bringing update onto home base you don't know like where the monologue is, like they they bring out the update set. A lot of times that you know the local broadcast, you know, and they do commercials and they go to that shot of the actual studio, they're bringing out the update desk. And like just in the meantime, there's a band right there just shredding right feet away from that set. So it's just always funny to me that they're like their their cues and their timing has to be perfect too, just like the cast and the crew. Um so just an incredible band um and it's a
0: very cool experience honestly and i think the uh when you're there you realize that like every department is like the top of their game in what they do so that is that is really cool and that's like one of those things that james and i talk about a lot on snl stories which is like celebrating every aspect of the show that's important to us and um yeah i mean the only other thing i would say that i think would be interesting to listeners is just uh You know the after party we got to go to that as well which was a really fun experience um you know every single cast member has their own table the host the musical guest they have their own table lorne has his own table and then uh, i was at a big steakhouse there was you know a lot of crew in one area, some of the cast and their friends in one area, a couple bars. I would say uh it was probably like five times as many people as what you saw in like the PDD uh pre-tape this week. So it wasn't exactly wasn't exactly the same, but yeah, I mean it's it, everyone was for the most part extremely nice, uh very warm and friendly and, you know, be able to go up and talk to people, introduce ourselves. Um some of whom I'd either watched the podcast or knew about the podcast, which was very exciting because it was like, oh, from the podcast and that was extremely fulfilling. So, uh, overall, uh, it was really great. It goes very late. (laughs) And then before you know it, uh, you're like, wow, it's, it's almost the morning. And part of that is just because it's just so cool and so fun. So I'm really hoping a lot of our listeners, you know, do get that opportunity one day to go and, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it was a great experience this week and I'm hoping uh, I get to do it again, Mike.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was it a little meta? We talk about meta on these podcasts a lot. Was it a little meta to see a SNL pre-tape about SNL after parties on the on the precipice of your first SNL after party? Like, is is this what I should expect? I mean, not prepared for uh, a lot, all this violence and you know harassment. It, it was weird.
2: I say this. Yeah, that's a great question. I love it. And can I just say this? I, I did uh, say to John Higgins in reference to that uh, piece. I'm so glad your eye is doing better. <laughs> yeah. Cause he yeah, got he, the, he, he the, kick the of phone chucked out. Yeah. That's
1: yeah. good. And I'm, I'm, he made a full recovery. I, um, yeah. I hope. that's right.
2: And, and he yeah, actually sure. made a comment. He goes, everything in those three tapes uh, are based on things that have really happened. He said that right after that.
0: Yeah. I did not see Ben Marshall and Anna de Armas talking to each other at the after party. So I'll say that for anybody who was curious.
1: I mean, don't, don't rat on the man. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, of course, if anyone has, if anyone has any like specific questions that are, um, you know, in good taste, I, of course, welcome you to send in those questions tomorrow night on our patron feedback show. We'll be live at 8 p.m. with a couple of the patrons. So we'll talk about the end of this week, look forward to the Pete week. And if you have specific questions about there that you want me to talk about, I think that's a great place to do that. So um, yeah, we welcome you to do that. Forum is out now on Twitter and in our Instagram stories, if you'd like to send in anything over there.
1: Speaking of uh, questions and good taste, John, do you want to um, introduce a question that you got for me to research? Last night.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so we have an amazing listener who's also a patron, Ian, and he sent me a message, and he said, "Hey, Saturday Night Network, I have two questions that hopefully can be answered in the by the number show. First one is, what is the shortest and longest amount of time between appearances of recurring characters, not counting when hosts return? Did you get that answer, Mike?
1: Well, that one I I didn't do too much researching because I figured the obvious would be, and if and if Ian meant a debut and a second appearance it would probably be george santos which is bowen earlier this season because it was in the same night um, sure
0: and there's been there's been a few of those over the years
1: yeah right so hard to beat you know 30 minutes apart for first and second appearance and the second question
0: is this the most amount of nipples we've ever seen in an ep- in an snl episode with the dog show and Matt Shat. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So this one, I think I might have been referring to this earlier when I said I'm often doing research right before I go to air. And so I, you know, picture me, you know, Mikey's impression of me was pretty accurate, staring at the screen, crunching numbers. And here I am, uh, freeze framing the Matt Shat sketch to get the most accurate nipple count because I, I, this is what I do for the listeners. But also, Ian, thank you for making me reconsider everything I've ever done in my life because this. High moment, low moment. I don't know, but I was I was doing a nipple count. Fifteen for moment. Mikey. Yeah, it's a low moment. It's not a high moment in any regard. Um, we got six dog nipples, and we got a shirtless Michael Longfellow. So, fifteen plus six, i two, twenty-three. We're gonna call it a, a safe twenty-three nipple show. Um, if you go back to the nude beach sketch with Matthew Broderick, you know, I don't know if there's twelve shirtless men in that sketch. Maybe about eight or nine. Maybe ten with extras. So this could be a record Ian. So thank you for the question, James.
2: Yeah. Two things I wanted to say about that is uh, one, you should include that. I'm so glad you mentioned the nude beach sketch because in, you know, they used to have this sort of by the numbers listing of just some random uh, numerical facts. And it was like, you know, the number of times penis was uh, stated or sung during the nude beach sketch. I forget what that number is. You probably know, but now I think related to that is that the the number of, you know, the episode with the number of nipples is this one and here's, and here's the number. And then related to nipples, I will tell you this (laughs) true story. (laughs) You're laughing during dress, during dress, they were called to go back and look at the first musical performance to make sure that there was not an inadvertent nipple slip. And they, and I saw them actually going back to the tape.
0: Okay. But, but a Carol G. Neville slip, not a, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I
1: got it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we could, could have had an even number. Could um, have had an very, even
2: number. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: Well, interesting. there you go. So <laughs> that's the length that we'll go, um, you know, by the numbers, you got a numbers question. I'm going to do my best to, to get the most accurate count. So information of, you
0: cannot get anywhere
1: else. No, the sports talk radio of Saturday Night Live. Um, You heard it here first. So we got the screen time up right now if you're watching along with us on YouTube. Um, So like every week, I mean, hey, John, you want to take this one?
0: Sure. You want me to do it?
1: Yeah, go ahead, man.
0: All right, back in the game. Season 48, episode 18, screen time. So if you're watching along on YouTube, you get to see the beautiful chart that we've made. Anna DeArmas in nine sketches this week, 21 minutes and 48 seconds. Colin Jost dominates weekend update, 10 minutes and one second. Keenan Thompson, eight minutes and 18 seconds, you know, for the regular cast. Killing that night, Ego Wodum in five sketches, seven twenty-eight. Bowen Yang in four seven twelve. Mikey Day with all of the nipples in six minutes and forty-four seconds. Molly Carney with a, an amazing night for Molly, six minutes and forty-one seconds. Carol G in. One sketch and two musical performances, 6 minutes, 21 seconds. Heidi Gardner, 5.57 in six sketches. Chloe Feynman, five sketches, 5.28. Sarah Sherman in three sketches, 4.53. Michael Che at 4.43, much lower than Colin Jost this week. Devin Walker in 4 minutes and 25 seconds, 4 sketches. Punky Johnson, same thing, 4 sketches, four seventeen. Marcelo Hernandez had a big sketch in the show this week, but only two of them, so 2 minutes and 15 seconds. Michael Longfellow in 5 sketches this week, but not a lot of time, so 1 minute and 40 seconds for Mikey Longs. Then we got the PDD guys, Ben Marshall, 1 minute, 10 seconds. John Higgins, 1 minute, 2 seconds. And Martin Hurley, 50 seconds. JAJ was in 1 sketch and did a couple of voiceovers for 49 seconds. Steve. Steve Higgins, our main voiceover man, forty-six seconds, and then Andrew Dismukes, just in the cold open this week, 23 seconds.
1: Thank you, John. I mean, uh being there, seeing uh some cut sketches like the there was a centaur sketch that was not uh there and the live broadcast, and I was hoping maybe that you would be half of the centaur. Um if you were maybe they need an extra, they go, hey, we need we need some legs. Um, you know, so that would that would have been a possibility. But seeing Uh, some sketches that were at the address and James please jump in as well and then um, cut down now seeing the full results what uh what surprises you John I'll go to you first as far as like now you know people don't realize that sometimes when you see Andrew Dismukes or something like that or this week in particular at the bottom of the list it's because like they were the big star of one sketch that got cut so just you know We don't always talk about dress on this show because we talk about like canon SNL numbers. But at least in that regard, can you shed some light on maybe like obviously the show we saw, but also maybe a reason for someone having a low number or a big number, John?
0: Sure. I mean, look, when I walked in to the studio on Saturday, the couple people were like, just letting you know, this is going to be a big night for Molly and a big night for Ego." And it was a lot of talk about this being like Molly's big night on the show. And obviously they had that really important piece on update. So certainly understand why that would make sense and why they would be so high in the screen time for this week. And then obviously Ego with the return of Lisa from Temecula totally get that the camera has to be on this recurring character that we're getting mikey day same thing matt shat also had a prominent role so those all make sense to me what's interesting is that i could only speak to my personal experience of this is that you know i guess the numbers were intended for the listeners and the viewers of the show that watch it on tv right because on tv you can properly gauge who's doing well who's not who's in the show who's not when you're there things are moving so quickly especially backstage, where it's just pure chaos at some points. And there, like I said, some of the uh, audio is being cut out of the sketches. Like I found post update during the live show, it was actually really hard to watch the show. It was more about talking to people and what was happening there. So for me, I didn't even fully grasp as I was, you know, having a conversation with Andrew Desmuse, let's say that he was only in 23 seconds of the show. And he may have been not so happy about it. But I wouldn't have necessarily known that because I wasn't able to fully grasp it but when you see this it sort of makes more sense to me so not really any surprises i'll just say from a uh the the last point and then i'll send it off to james who was at dress and able to sort of talk about some of those questions you had mike which is uh this episode clearly took a little bit of a different direction with some of the choices for the cast members that made it into the live show, which is that Andrew and J.A.J., who have been, you know, really writing together a lot in 2023, and J.A.J.'s had, a, you know, a lot of great episodes. This was not an Andrew Desmukes and J.A.J. episode. So if you didn't enjoy the Anna de Armas episode, it's probably because you missed them in the show. So I think uh, that's something I notice here as well.
2: Yeah, I, I think, I don't know about you guys, but, uh well mike who actually goes through this and puts it together you have a very different uh reality of looking at the work when it's done i'm sure than the rest of us but i always find john you probably do too that um you know it, it's just sort of surprising to go oh wow like andrew and james austin johnson in this case uh were were so low in terms of screen time and then you're like well yeah i guess that's how it went but for me you know, I, I, when you're watching it live or you're just experiencing it, you're sort of not tracking it that way. So uh, you you can sort of sense, like I remember last week, right? Wasn't it the, uh, the Molly Shannon episode where Mikey Day was in the cold open? And then the rest of the show, I was like, wait a minute. He was in the cold open, right? Like, because after that, he, he, he was, van- he, he vanished, yeah. correct? Five
1: minute, one second, in the cold open, and that was it.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's sort of flip flops. I, I feel like the vibe with this show, uh, particularly because of the cold open, I, I would imagine that uh, it, it did feel like an ensemble evening. You know what I mean? Like uh, the everybody, everybody's doing well and everything that aired was I don't think there were any real stinkers, at least in my opinion. Uh, in terms of what got cut, uh, there was not. I mean, it feels like there's a centaur sketch like every 10 years <laughs> or <laughs> something, right? There's some kind of weird centaur thing that happens uh, every once in a while. Not
1: uh, every one, century?
2: Yeah, there there you go, there you go, perfect. Uh, that one was okay. I did like the murder scene one. I mean, it wasn't the, the funniest thing on, on the planet. And, and I, I was predicting, uh, I think, John, after the show that uh, of the cut for time uh uh pre-tapes that we would i I thought we would see the water park ad um yeah anna is in it so i don't know if it will ever see the light of day but uh i i enjoyed that one um it was it was i think we will though
0: james because i think if there is a writer strike i think then they will put up the one they have one from kinta they have one earlier the season i believe also that they just were you know playing a dress a couple times never went up and then this one with Anna in it so I would assume they're banking these in case they want to put them out online to create some buzz
2: yeah it's kind of uh hopefully it's kind of like the way they did the cold open with people that you see around the park uh people you see in the water park sort of uh you know I won't give it all away but and then the other one toilet legs was was just kind of uh a little weird (laughs) but anyway
0: Well, murder scene is the one that interests me the most. Just if we're going to talk quickly, just about some of the dress stuff, because that was an Andrew Dismukes sketch, so uh, that would have you know significantly boosted his time up here. That would have been like a very solid night for Andrew had that gotten on the show. Whereas obviously that gets cut at dress. There goes his night, right? He knows he's not really in much else. And I'm just looking. I mean, he was in the water park ad as well, which was cut for time, not cut at dress. So when you talk about somebody like Andrew Dismukes' numbers. Uh, what happens is, is he goes into the show at 8 o'clock thinking he's going to have at least five minutes of screen time, right? And then, you know, the the meeting between dress and air happens and he sees murder scene is cut. So then he's like, okay, that goes a significant chunk, at least I'm in a couple things. And then cut for time is the water park ad. And now he's down to 23 seconds. So it ends up being not a great night. And that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes.
1: Yeah, it happens fast. And just to do some analysis on this night, the when we did see um, first time of the season, And for a while, uh, that Colin Jost led the cast. So um, mostly in part to him being on screen with Sarah that whole time, that obviously added a lot of time. Usually there's like a lot more cuts between the guest and the update anchor. So that brought Colin Jost up to 10 minutes, 1 second. So the last time he led the cast was in the Eddie Murphy Lizzo episode. Um, in December of 2019. So has been a while for him. Um, like you mentioned, Molly had a huge night. So actually wasn't their career high because that came in the Molly Shannon episode just last week where Molly had 9.35. So it was funny because Molly interrupted the other Molly's monologue and said, I'm not in the show a lot. And then they ended up having their career high. So 5.34 for Molly Kearney in the Aubrey Plaza, episode 5.41 in Ortega um five nine thirty five as i mentioned in the molly shannon and then six forty one and probably molly's biggest night and just in case we don't talk about them again tonight it's like talk about peaking at the right time especially if that could have been the last episode so molly was the rookie that early on was like they're not really doing much in the show i hope that's not a bad indication and then now three to four episodes posting five plus minutes so just have to give a shout out to molly carney there
0: I also say, Mike, that I was one of the moments during the night where I really thought about you and the screen time was I was in the hallway near the dressing rooms right after the Spanish class sketch. And Punky had come back from that sketch and I was right near her dressing room where so she was coming back and I think there was some type of change where i think she may have been in that dog sketch following that or something if i remember correctly and um so there was some sort of sort of change had to get some new costuming and it was funny because she was walking down and she was talking to some of the writers and the writers were like oh wow that was so funny that you ran back into the sketch to dance at the end with everybody at the end of the spanish class sketch And I was thinking to myself, like, that wasn't in the script. So because of that, she actually boosted her, she got an extra laugh and boosted her screen time numbers by just going off script. And I was like, those are the funny things that we probably never realize when you're watching them on TV. But when you're there at the show, it's like, ah, that affected the metrics.
2: Yeah. So wait a minute. Was that, we didn't talk about that. Is that true? She just ran down there and danced with them just...
0: Yeah, she wasn't apparently supposed to do that, but because she was still like backstage, like waiting for the end of the sketch and they were all dancing, she was just like, I'm going to go dance with them and have a good time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Punky ended up getting 28 seconds in that Spanish class. um, And, you know, I think it might have probably would probably would have been less than half that if she didn't jump back in. So I don't know. Collusion? Maybe. John? (laughs) No, No comment. (laughs) <laughs> um, anyway another uh, I want also want to talk about Ego a little bit just because and just to kind of bridge this with an observation that I had that maybe you guys might agree with I was like think uh, watching the Ana de Armas episode loved it and you know we're going to talk about some hosts that I'm about to mention in a second Pedro Pascal but this episode felt so much like that episode and then when Lisa from Temecula came up I was like okay this is like really a lot like that episode and because they had they had the post monologue game show sketch, which we're used to anyway, not very unique, but it did happen. And then we had a great two hand sketch with Marcelo using some Spanish and like, you know, uh, at the expense of another character. It was Chloe before, and now it was Mikey. And then um, Lisa from Demecula. And it was also like, you know, it was a high school sketch in Pedro Pascal. I was like, I'm ge- I feel like I'm getting deja vu a little bit. So I I feel like we've mentioned this before with when they had, I think it was Carrie Mulligan following Phoebe Waller Bridge, right? So it was like, they, were, they weren't back to back in the two separate seasons, but like maybe like, because they did like the uh, letters to Mikey the soldier and stuff, like they kind of brought back concepts. And I was like, just may- maybe when they have a new host for the first time, they can kind of go, there's a little template here for a successful episode. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but it seemed very similar to that episode.
0: Yeah, that was a big question I asked you Mike because like I often we talk about like programming for this by the number show. I'm just like what are we going to talk about? And I was like, well, I am curious if when it comes to uh hosts who don't have English as their first language or if you know are potentially not from North America, like is there a common thread there as far as the style of episode is concerned? SNL has a very long history with British hosts going all the way back to their original days, but not as much with Cuban hosts or hosts from Chile or, you know, stuff like that. So I love that in the last few years, um, you know, partially because, you know, COVID maybe pushed them to find a different like angle of hosts, but also because the world is becoming um, a lot less, you know, difficult to, to reach people from outside of the US and Canada uh, over here. I think that it's wonderful that SNL is bringing on these people. So I'm not surprised that for you, it felt like this episode was similar to Pedro's.
1: Yeah, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just sometimes you do what works, and you know if it works one time, it's it's uh can be a comfortable thing for another host. But uh, so I did some stats on uh, John's you know request, just like Ian's nipple request. That's a phrase. Um, I did this for uh, John, so I was looking up, looking back um, the past few seasons. So I went back the last eighty five episodes, and you know one of the episodes did not have a host, so I did not include that. But so out of the last eighty four episodes with a host, sixty seven of them, the host was born not you know, necessarily grew up or identifies as that's their homeland, but born in these countries. 67 were born in the US or Canada. Actually, there's only been two Canadian hosts, um, not including Martin Short. Can you can either of you name them while I, while I list these stats out uh, in the last couple of years? So US and Canada had 67 um, episodes, and they averaged 19 minutes, 41 seconds, as opposed to 17 episodes hosted by someone born and not, us or canada where they average 18 minutes 48 seconds so not the biggest difference but wanted to see what it could be so 53 seconds oh sorry uh yeah 53 second difference between a like north american as in you know us and canada versus the rest of the world um so that's what that difference is and then i also figured i'd break it out by male and female hosts because you know if it's a big discrepancy maybe that's something we, t- we talk about but it really isn't and i'm happy to see that So. Um, Overall, male hosts have average of 19 minutes 40 seconds as opposed to female hosts 19 minutes thirteen seconds, and of which 54 have been male host episodes and 30 have been female hosted episodes
2: so Dan James? levy would be one, Dan levy
1: would be one of those Canadians right Correct. Dan levy would be the most recent one like I said Martin short would count, but he hosted with Steve and so I counted them together as I averaged their screen times together because it was the only Multiple host episode that I looked at.
0: So there is a Canadian from season forty five. Is forty five or forty six?
1: It's from 45.
0: Ooh. Um trying to think. Season 45, a Canadian host. Can't think of who it is, Mike.
1: It is a female host from it's actually no, it's actually from 44. Sorry.
0: Oh. From 44. I am not sure. You're gonna have to hear <laughs> and let, let us know who it is.
1: It is Sandra O. Oh, oh. Hmm. Ottawa. Sandra O. Oh. oh, he says. Oh, of course, of course oh. I'm
0: Yeah. So the reason I wanted Mike to look this up is because I had a theory that SNL and maybe it's just like unbiased. You know, could be wrong, but I had a theory that SNL might unconsciously put a foreign language or host that they're not you know from a from a country that's maybe not as familiar with saturday Night alive in uh less stuff like that's how i like i was just curious about that because i was wondering um not only in like i think they would be in the same amount of sketches but perhaps they wouldn't necessarily take um the lead role, especially if they're like English isn't their first language or something like that, and then they would have the, the cast take a little bit more of the burden there. So what we are seeing here on screen is there's about like a minute discrepancy, but to you, Mike, that's not significant. Is that that's what you're saying?
1: No, not at all. I, I figured that this would have been a category that it might necessarily show any type of like bias or like writing strategy for the host, but it would be I just assumed that based on returning cast alone, I mean look at every cast member of snl history like they're gonna be 99 percent american or canadian so those returning hosts get big screen time and and like you know just a lot of like four or five timer hosts like you know there's a lot of millennial episodes in here things like that would kind of boost the u.s and canada screen time average and not necessarily because of a first timer because of returning hosts um james do do you see anything here that you'd like to discuss
2: well, I just wonder the gender ratio, uh, if that is maybe across the summation of the entire series, you know, how, um, how, uh, how much, how much heavier is the, is, is the male host versus the female which maybe it's not, because I will say this, uh, John, of all the times I've been to SNL, they've always been female hosts, except for one. Who is the male host that I was
1: there Just for? Just Timberlake? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Never forget that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which which Timberlake was it, James?
0: Uh, it was
2: the season finale uh, with... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, was it you Sierra? Know, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so Mike, do you you probably know that, or John, you might too, because it's it's kind of a, a bigger uh, average or statistic to just, you know, over all the seasons, male, female, is it is it close to 50-50 or is
1: it is it slanted one way significantly? As far as number of hosts, I mean there's been two hundred and eleven women that have hosted the show. As opposed to 430 men. So, right there, it's double as far as if you just listed out everyone who's ever hosted the show. It's like extremely male heavy. But I'm just, I think this is more interesting to see that, like, hey, at least this is recency bias, but like it means that like a male host and a female host aren't really being, have a functional difference in the show, which I think is a good thing.
0: And and then the other factor, James, is that uh, we have had more, way more male. Returning hosts to the show, and when a host tends to return, whether it's a former cast member or even just a host like a Steve Martin, Alec Baldwin, they usually dominate their episodes. So, like the likelihood is that because of that particular aspect of it, the male average screen time in the history of the show would likely be significantly higher, since you would probably are probably our strongest female hosted episodes would be somewhere like in the Candace Bergen, Scarlett Johansson, Drew Barrymore, Tina Fey area of things. Whereas there's a lot more men in that category.
2: So I'm going to say this, uh, cause Mike, you, you said earlier, right? That, uh, Anna Darmus is the 13th for this season. Who's hosting the first time, right? Right. Which Out of is a eighteen uh, shows. Yeah, which is which is pretty significant. And I would say this, though, you know, even, John, to your point of just sort of uh, bringing in some amazing, uh, diverse talent. um, Way to go, SNL. I I just feel like the first time hosts uh, here in recent history have just been super strong. Yes. You know, just really impressed. And uh, I will say this. I will pick one male and one female that is only hosted once that I think did a fantastic job, in my opinion, that should come back. This one is more recent. David Harbour. I thought his episode was fantastic. Fantastic show. I think he was so game. And I'd love to see him back. And this one's a little uh, further back. Jennifer Garner.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are a ton, especially in more recent years. But I think that one of the more interesting aspects of a discussion like this, James, is we often talk about in the history of Saturday Night Live, which hosts represent different eras of the show. And Justin Timberlake, which you just brought up recently, is a clearly a host from an era of the show, you know, from that mid 30s era, late 2000s, early 2010s. And, you know, Tom Hanks really has an era. Goodman has an era like all of the you know great hosts. They really have time. Exactly. So the question is, is now that we are really embarking on season 48, to me is the start of a new era, which hosts will become synonymous with this new era. And I think you have to start looking at a lot of these really great one time hosts that are coming in in season 48 as potential you know, two or three or four time hosts down the road, in probably the next five or six years that can grow up on the show with Molly and Devin and Longfellow, Marcello, Punky, you know, James, Sarah, like all of these people, because they are expected to be around for the next five or six years. And I would expect like people like uh, Quinta Brunson or Aubrey Plaza, like those, those are hosts that can come back many times over. So I think that that's the type of thing I look for in these types of conversations.
2: Yeah, there's a lot from last season that were first-time hosts that uh, sure. we I think we're expecting maybe to see this season. Would you say that in the eras, you know, is are we in the John Mulaney era, I guess? He's he's one who is hosted so frequently.
0: I think we're moving past out of the John Mulaney era, actually, because I think John Mulaney is going to be the host that was most closely associated with the Kate, eighty Cecily, Uh, Beck and Kyle like that cast I think that he and Pete like he's going to be there so like it wouldn't be surprising to me if Mulaney hosted another few times in the future but I think he's always going to be remembered for being with that previous cast
1: fair absolutely and I just want to say as a you know someone who loves stats so much that there's a there can kind of be a negative connotation with stats because I feel like people pervert stats to um, indicate negative things. So as someone who adores SNL, all eras, I just want to highlight that SNL is like doing an incredible job with their host selection, their casting. Like it's really, you know, not easy to make everybody equal, obviously in a cast with there's people that are newer, people that are older. Um, so that goes across all different categories, but I just like to point out that this is a stat that like really shows the equity because it's very easy to look back and go, you know, SNL hasn't done this or that because it's a show that's 48 years old. So I just want to say that that's like, as as a stat collector of the show, it's it's fun to see like, yeah, it does feel like there's been, you know, a good amount of women this season or in seasons past or, you know, people like, and I also think it just makes the show better. I mean, that's going to be my opinion till the day I die is like, it's that it's not that diversity is necessary. It's that diversity makes the show better. So when I see like Ana de Armas come on and they do um, sketches or the monologue that Colin Jost hated because it was in two languages. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then they do things like that. It's like, Oh, just like I wouldn't see this, you know, last week with, you know, host X. So like, That stuff I think is just a good thing. So stats aren't always to like make point out flaws and things. They also can highlight the good that things are being good that's being done on the show or anywhere else in the world.
0: Yeah, I look, I think SNL is a little bit of microcosm of, of the United States in general, right? And I think that, you know, stats are a stats by definition are a record of events. And I think it's important to properly show what has happened to get us to this point. And I think that SNL, to my understanding, and from what I can see with my eyes, is just personally, I believe that SNL has attempted to do a much better job in terms of diversifying their casts, diversifying the hosting choices over the last few years, to the point where the show feels as it's more for everybody as opposed to a certain subsection of the audience. Whereas, you know, in other generations or decades of the show, it didn't necessarily feel that way. So at the same time as it's important for us to properly show the history of the show, and yes, there have been way more male hosts than female hosts, that is for sure, we can also still celebrate the fact that SNL seems to be doing a much better job at trying to correct these things now. So not so different to me than a lot of the professional sports leagues that weren't fully integrated for a long time, or even the US as a country, which had many issues over the few last few hundred years. You know, It's just a matter of continuing to get better. And my hope is that SNL will continue for a long time to come with being a show for everybody so that you don't necessarily feel as a viewer that the show isn't for you
1: absolutely and also just uh, as the u.s and north america catches up and diversifies that also increases the talent pool that snl can not only find cast that are very talented from because of opportunities they're getting elsewhere but also from hosts so if you're seeing more movies led by di- diverse actors and tv shows and it's like oh that snl is like we'd love to have them on not like we should have them on so i mean we're seeing that with like Quinter brunson with like having maybe the biggest comedy right now and like I think SNL will be like thankful to have her on, not like we should get someone like her on because that's just like totally unfair. So I think as the talent diversifies, they do as well.
0: And also, I mean, Pedro Pascal's episode, I can't tell you how many messages we got or comments on our videos about, um, you know, people who were watching from Chile who like, I probably never watched Saturday Night Live before, didn't even know what the show was, but they were checking it out because they love Pedro Pascal and he's a representation of, you know, their culture, their country, and all of that stuff. And now they're able to find uh, the show, they're able to find the podcast and engage in the community. So it's the same thing. It's like, you know, I think about when, uh, like, lots of people in sports leagues come over from different countries, Uh, that people... They build a bigger fan base, so I think that what happens is you book Ana Darmas, and she's solely the second Cuban to ever host the show, the first one since 1975. And you probably have many people in Cuba who are trying to find Saturday Night Live. How do I watch Ana Darmas on the show and all that stuff? And I think it's wonderful for the show.
1: Yeah, it's good. it's good business at the end of the day. Um, so this season in particular had uh, Brendan Gleeson, Irish actor, Pedro Pascal, and Ana Darmas, who we just talked about. We'll we'll move on to uh, our last segment. So we're going to look at the updated power rankings of season 48, which um, you know, the chart keeps getting bigger and bigger. And now we have the averages of all our cast members over 18 episodes all the way back from Miles Teller to this week. And power ranking takes in consideration every piece of data that I collect and to one convenient number so we can assess impact of that individual on that given night. So SNL has looked very different through different eras, big cast, small cast, lots of cameos, different things like that. So I take this number to eliminate those variables and assign one number to that individual for that night. Um, John, will you like to uh, get people what the updated rankings are?
0: Sure. So our top 16 for now averaging weeks, number one through 18, are as follows. Keenan Thompson still remains in first place, averaging a 105.8 power ranking. Bowen Yang in second, 95.5. Heidi Gardner, number three, 93.3. Mikey Day in fourth, 85. Colin Jost, 5th, 80.2. Chloe Feynman, 78.2. J.A.J., 76.4 in 7th place. Ega Wodum in 8th with a 75. Michael Che in ninth with 58.2. Sarah Sherman, 10th with a 56.4. Andrew Dismukes down to number 11, 50.7. In 12th place, Marcelo Hernandez, 46.9. 13 is Michael Longfellow at a 45. 14, Devin Walker at 42.7. Molly Carney up to number 15, 39.6. And last but not least is Punky Johnson at a
1: 38.1. Thank you, John. Uh, I also have, as I've been doing lately, putting up uh, who had a rise in average or a drop in average because sometimes the movement in the power rankings doesn't always show who had the best episode. It just shows how you know 18 weeks of the show can affect a lot of things. So, um, Bowen, Chloe, J.A.J., Andrew, Marcello, and Michael Longfellow had a, a b- below average for their standard this season. Doesn't mean they had a bad, bad episode for all of them. Just means that below from where they were. And the biggest jump, no surprise, would be Molly. Uh, they went up 10.3%. So 102.8 score for Anade Armas, and that was followed by the 100, sorry, preceded by the 110.3 in the Molly Shane episode. So if you're looking at the chart with us, you can see a lot of the red and orange and yellow in the early parts of the uh, year for the rookies, and now seeing some like dark greens for the rookies. So like I mentioned earlier, it's like a great time to be picking up steam. So uh, James, I'm actually really excited to hear your point of view just on the season in general, because... We have a lot of data now, and there's just so much to talk about with this chart because it just averages everything. So, is there anyone you like to highlight or a performance of anybody they would talk about? Well, I just find it fascinating, uh, all of it, because you know the numbers
2: don't lie. Uh, to just sort of see, I you know, I've always loved how you have the color coding thing because you can you know go horizontally. I know for those listening on on audio, we'll have to do this later, but you know to see. The sporadic, like, good show, bad, 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 good show, bad, you know, c- kind of thing. I did want to ask you this, though you've talked about it before, uh, probably. When you look at Colin Jost and Michael Che and, and the difference there, is it, because you're the one who's who's zeroing in on this, is it mostly not the number of jokes one is given, but the on-screen time that happens to be when a correspondent is there? As far as the bulk of their time. I mean like 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 how does the discrepan does the does the, the discrepancy show up because of the number of jokes given or because of their you know what I mean, their on screen time yep, no, during during a uh uh commentary piece?
1: Yeah, well we actually did uh, full stats on totals for Joe Stinshea this season, um, two episodes ago, um which we had the joke count the update correspondent count and the screen time count and at that time it was uh 30 minutes more for Jost and it's because on average he has more joke segments and guests and i also kind of pointed out that there's a camera you know punchline that SNL does intentionally um, that gets Colin Jost more screen time it's because a lot of times they cut to him at an awkward time or after a after a Che uh punchline and they go right to Jost and, you know, you'll hear uh, Michael, like, muttering in the background and Jost has his, you know, head in his hands about to tell the next punchline. So that gets him more screen time as well. But to answer your question, James, really the update correspondent pieces, they, like, you know, probably about 30% of them and have interaction with the update anchor. So the fact that Colin Jost gets more of those um, on average would mean that his screen time is, you know, is higher and as far as the whole season's concerned i would say that the update length is you know vitally important so this week we had a really long update um it was 17 minutes so that's a that's a long update that is a long update well and i also wanted to give you the
2: opportunity to point everybody to that previous show <laughs> with, with you, the James. weekend update guys Yeah, know uh but so let me ask you one other thing too as, as you put this together is there anything because we're uh hopefully nearing the end of the season and not at the end of the season right uh but what is there is there anything that you've noticed or you've uncovered where where in last season you had the you know the absences of you know people like uh AD and and Cecily at different times where you know that's really not the ca- case with this with this cast that um i don't know that felt any different in terms of just not having to deal with that. I don't know if that makes sense, but just, you know, these, yeah, these people, does. yeah, have, have, have sort of, right? Everybody's been there for everything as far as I can remember.
1: Well, I'll state the obvious. I mean, it's a 17 person cast now down to 16 with Cecily going. So there is more opportunity um with less cast members. And like I mentioned, to, you know, give a quick intro to this segment is like it, the cast size will not really affect because it's, it's all based on the number of roles that go into a show so that way i wouldn't otherwise it would always be like you know the season one cast would always score high and a big cast would always score low so i wanted to avoid that so it's based on a percentage so i'll get that out of the way but other than that this season has been incredible i hope people remember it well um, maybe not because they remember a stat that i said but because everyone has been very involved so if you look at this this chart that james referenced with the colors. There's so few dark reds. Like, I mean, last season, they were everywhere because Pete's out of town and Cecily's doing her play and Kate's in New Zealand or whatever. And it's like so and on top of that, we had rookies being shut out and we had a week where like Kyle Mooney, a vet is shut out. So if you look and, and want to find the shutouts, you know, I'm probably going to guess is like five or six the whole year. So going episode by episode, so if you go vertically in the columns and look at all the episodes we've seen so far, there's really only like one episode and it's going to make perfect sense what episode I'm about to say is the Steve Martin and Martin short episode. We have um, Marcelo, Michael Longfellow, Devin, Molly, and Punky, and J.A.J. all having really like low scores and it's like, yeah, well, there's like legends in the building and it's Cecily's penultimate episode so we're seeing cecily with a huge night and um mikey keenan and ego have big nights so like the vets got big nights so things like that other than that like it's been like a really fun atmosphere with everyone involved so that's a huge difference james from this year as opposed to 47 46 45 and 44
2: now that's a good good way to say that, and to and to encourage people when you're looking at it to look vertically for that. You know, there is not a lot of red, but you know, obviously, you pointed out that that Martin Short and uh, Steve Martin episode. Uh, there's there's quite a bit there for for obvious reasons. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say before I shut up and John can say what is give his piece um, is I, I the, the cast is just talented, and there's no one that, uh, you know, without mentioning names the past few seasons where you're just kind of like worried about, you know, we haven't seen this person for a long time and, and, and that kind of thing. I'm just concerned that like Punky, I think had a great show this past, you know, past week and, uh, maybe not on as much as some other folks, but, you know, she's, she's a featured or she's no longer a featured player. And, you know, the screen time I just wish uh, that was not the case for her and for uh, some of the the newer folks to be uh, leapfrogging her a bit is, uh, I don't know, a little
1: concerning. Yeah, it's um, Punky Johnson might be one of the names we say the most in this show, um, just because... Like Michael Longfellow this season as well, someone who can make a big impact in a short amount of time. So people really love what Punky's doing in the show. I'm not worried about her, but it's just like when it comes to stats, just not a big stats performer. I mentioned Melissa is like was like that too. So um and if you're you know if you're if you're all concerned about Punky, I mean Travis Kelsey, 64. Jenna Ortega went down big time to a nineteen. But now the last three episodes, Quinta Brunson, fifty-six point four for Punky, Molly Shannon forty-seven point seven. And now this past 156.7, including a recurring character in the Lisa from Temecula sketch. So Punky has had a run of three great episodes or three good episodes. And if you include the Travis Kelsey one, that was a a great episode for Punky. So 38.1 average, and she's been crushing that average basically every week um, since the Kelsey episode. So, John, I mean, I think this might be your fourth time on the season, and the chart's bigger than ever. So I want to hear some takes from you.
0: Yeah, I mean, the things I always like to look at, especially when I come on at the end of a run, is what stands out to me during this particular run. And I think James hit the nail on the head, which is a lot less, sorry, I forgot it was James or Mike, but one of you guys hit the nail on the head, which was uh, a lot less red. And I think that's the key here, is that if you look in the Kinta Brunson, the Molly Shannon, and the Anna de episode, we only have Andrew Desmukes in the red during the Anna de episode. Really, I guess J.A.J. is slightly red and Sarah Sherman in the Molly Shannon episode was a little bit red. But compared to all the other runs where there's been significant down episodes for a lot of cast members throughout the run, um, this is probably the best run for the cast as a whole in terms of looking at it as an ensemble, which I think is really, really key and important here. And I think what is awesome, and I think this was something I may have said on the last by the number show, which is that I really feel that a lot of the people at the bottom of the rankings are coming up in 2023. And there's more downspots for people at the top. So I think that the that like everything is sort of averaging it out. It's sort of like. It reminds me of how, uh, you know, pardon the sports analogy, but like in baseball, they'll play 162 games and they often say, okay, after 162 games, enough games are played out where you're able to figure out who, like the more games you play, the better you're able to figure out who is a good team and who is not. And if you play less games, it's more luck involved. So when you have like 16 games in an NFL season, though they can't physically play more games, probably due to the nature of the game, there's probably more luck involved in determining which team wins the Super Bowl or who who doesn't or which team ends up in first place. But the more games you play, the more you re- mitigate luck. And um, I believe that in larger sample size of an SNL season, you mitigate, you know, episodes that are maybe unlucky for cast members where a host doesn't particularly like that person's material, or episodes that are really lucky for cast members where they just really hit it off of the host. So I think what we're getting now is that the average between a lot of the cast members is going up significantly, because everything is averaging out into what we will ultimately say why season 48 is a good season of the show, because the cast is gelling with each other so well. And this, in a small way, is a great indication of that.
1: Well said, John. I mean, I think that's just... i Early on in the season of By the Numbers, I was saying that a lot is kind of tracking the weeks like the NFL season. And now, hey, we are at week 18, which the NFL now has 18 weeks. So if we do, unfortunately, look at this as our final um, you know, stats of this season, it just paints a really positive picture. Um, so the Molly Shannon episode had... One hour, 44 minutes, and 38 seconds of total cast screen time. So you would expect maybe it would dip because there is a former cast member in the building. Maybe they'll have other former um, co stars with them or other celebrities to pop in. But it was the most cast screen time I've ever tracked. So that was last week with Molly Shannon. And the featured players have been way up. And I mentioned last week um, on the show that it was the first time all year that the whole cast. Had been seen by the first sketch, so it's like cold open monologue sketch. The whole cast appeared for the first time. Um, all, everybody other than Joe and Shay appeared by the end of that first sketch, and then we had this week the cold open. Everybody appeared in just the cold open. So I think there's just a lot of camaraderie with this cast, a lot of friendships, a lot of good synergy. So like that type of stuff is kind of like what James, John, and I are all saying um, in different ways but i think that should be a takeaway of a rebuild is is it working are they working well together and i think the answer is like unequivocally yes
0: i think the show is in a very good place and i'm hoping it's not the end of the season so that is part of the reason why we are treating tonight's episode as a strictly anti de Armas focused SNL by the numbers, because if they're, uh, you know, when the time comes to find out when the end of the season is, we will eventually get into our postseason by the numbers show, which will be a lot of fun, Mike.
1: Yeah. And I will we'll trace this season to the, you know, the past few. And I, I think, I mean, everyone knows it's going to be different because there's a lot of names missing, but you know, If you look at some of the sophomores like Sarah and JJ and supposed to the rookies of different years, like you're going to be like, wow, these rookies had a really great season, um, whether it ends now or in three episodes. So I'm looking forward to that um, comparing and, you know, trying to trace the seasons to see, you know, who's fulfilling certain roles and just looking at everyone and giving everyone a fair analysis of what they, their output was. So, We will hopefully be back uh, after the Pete Davidson and Lil Uzi Vert. We got a third Lil this season after uh, Lil Baby, Lil Yachty. So Lil John will be with me at the end of the season to do all that. So whenever that may be. But James P. Stevens Jr., uh, the pride of Indianapolis, joining me. I hope you had a good time and a great week in the Northeast
2: been a great time thanks so much for having me on here and uh more importantly uh mike murray thank you for everything you do for the for the community uh because it's uh it's a crazy job and uh it's just i find it fascinating and i know others do as
1: well appreciate it james my pleasure john yeah what's next I, for you
0: um I'm very thankful for you too, Mike. Uh, also, so keep up the great work. Yeah, so what's coming up here on the podcast? Well, tomorrow night, like I said, I'll be live for one more show to wrap up the Ana de Armas week. And we're gonna look forward to the Pete Davidson week. Will it happen? Not sure, but we're gonna go as if it is right now. And we hope that the writers will get a you know a fair shake in their contract negotiations, so that everything is okay. Perhaps uh, there's a small strike that, you know, the Pete Davidson episode happens eventually and maybe not, but we'll follow things as we go and treat things status quo here on the podcast for right now. So what we're, the plan is, is tomorrow night patient feedback show. Monday night, I'll be back live and we will do a show about the writer strike. So maybe you don't know anything about this and you're curious what's going on. We'll do our best to explain everything to you about what's happening with the writer strike and also how the writer strikes in the past have affected Saturday Night Live. So, you know, there have been episodes that have been announced previously, just like the Pete one, that have gotten axed because of writer strikes. So we'll talk about that and the history of Saturday Night Live with the Writers Guild of America and all that stuff on Monday. We'll also have a super fan takeover coming up. And if all goes well, we will have full coverage of that pete davidson episode coming up that first week of may so that should be a lot of fun
1: look forward to it do you know what the super fans are talking about this time
0: uh i do not yet no but i will announce that on monday night because uh i sammy Kay does a lot of production on that show and i just want to make sure i don't say anything wrong
1: <laughs> right kept under lock and key but i can't wait to see I'm what sure they're talking about yeah i mean i can imagine that terrible phone call that might be made to uh pete davidson pete the show has been canceled okay yep
0: Yep, he'll be like (laughs) yeah he'll just be (laughs) he'll be like uh you know what i wasn't gonna be there anyways so it's okay
1: yikes um (laughs) well yeah i can't wait to be back so hopefully three more by the numbers um this is the 31st by the numbers show tonight so hopefully we get to uh 35 when the year ends and we do our final look back so um for John Schneider, James P. Stevens. I am Mike Murray of the SNN. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.